Hello and welcome to the latest edition of How Might We? And this episode is called How Might We Convert Strategy into Action? And my guest is Carol Popper, who I met about three, four, three, four years ago now. So, Carol, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Good to see you, Scott. Good to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, my name is Carol Popa. Um, I'm here right now in Warsaw speaking to you di- directly from Sunny City. I'm a scaling up coach. I'm a certified Gallup Strength Coach. This is where we've met with Scott. And what I do is I help entrepreneurs to build mechanics for predictable growth in their business. So you can you can learn more about that on you know, look for scaling up, scaling up certified coaches, scaling up community on the internet. You can find a framework there. It's designed at the MIT University for mid-market companies to be able to just grow faster, really, how, how to scale. Okay. And I think that's obviously a question that's quite at the forefront of most people when their business starts moving is how, how does this get better and bigger? I think we were, before we came online, it's one of the things, isn't it, that is something to consider at certain points, the way you work isn't going to work because your company's growing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Marsha Goldsmith said, what, what got you here won't get you there. Yeah. So depending on your growth stage of, of the how big your company, you need to do things differently. Like the old ways doesn't open, that does not open the new doors. Yeah. So we really need to change and adapt to the new situation inside as well as outside of your organization. Okay. And then we're talking about how we convert strategy into action. It's a conversation we had, obviously, before we came online, we decided what we were going to talk about. So why did you sort of want to hone in on that aspect of it? I think it's one of the biggest challenges out there when you want to you know, grow your company, grow your company or, or even achieve your personal goals. So you might know what you want, and then you might think you, you've got a plan, but when it comes to the reality, it all, all you know, always, or maybe not always, but very often happens that the reality takes all, everything and, and you actually are not able to achieve your goals at least as much as you would like to. So what's the, what's the solution, yeah? What's, how, can you, how can you tackle this challenge? How can you be victorious about it? So I think it's a good good subject to have a conversation around it. Okay, so you've said it's more often than not that people struggle with achieving their plans. And it's about this, like strategy into action is planned into action. So what do you think are the things that cause issues with people actually achieving what they're trying to achieve? All right, so like... At the beginning, yeah. So first of all, you need to know what you what you want, yeah. And then you need to know why you want it. So those two things are very fundamental for you. And you, if you if you try to think what what the strategy really is, so just to simplify it as much as we can, I'd say the strategy is how you get what you want, yeah. And then this implicates those two questions. So what do you want and why do you want it? So you need to think about that at at the beginning. And it's important because this is the one one thing that that may influence your reaching your goals because if you are not clear enough what you want to achieve, then you might, you know, it's impossible to achieve it if you don't want, don't, don't, 
don't know what it is. So this is the starting point, yeah? If you wanna hit your goals, you really need to be perfect, clear on what they are. And then what, what helps is another step. So you think about why you want it. We, we've just talked about a little bit about it before we start the recording, about the values and about the purpose, yeah? So it's, it's why, the, why, what do you wanna change in the world? If you think about your goals that way. So if you can tap into this higher purpose of why you want to reach your goals, it gives you more energy yeah, about, so it's, you stay motivated. You don't need those outside motivators. It's just fire burning inside of you. So this is something that moves your engine toward your goal and, and it will definitely help you reach those goals. So those two things. And then there's this next step, which is if you know, what you want, you have a clear vision, you know why you want it, then you need to figure out how you want, how you will get it. Yeah. So this is this strategic thinking about the situation. Yeah. So it's about what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What is the situation outside? Yeah. What's the landscape? And who do you compete with? Is there, you know, other people, other organizations, other companies, they want the same as you, or are you alone there? So Basically, what you need here is the deep understanding about yourself and about the outside landscape and other organisms there. Okay, that's interesting because I, obviously I do some work when I'm in the Middle East and talk to bigger companies. And one of the, some of the things that we talk about is quite the same as you. Understanding yourself, like you say, the CIPD, call it being business savvy. So what's in the business, what's important in our business and what are we trying to achieve? And also the contextual savvy is understanding the context in which we're operating. So you think even, so those principles are applied for if you're a multinational company or if you're a solo person. So uh, it comes, I think it comes down to, to your individual goals as a, as a person as well, because we know, and we use Clifton strengths and this, methodology or, or this assessment changed my life yeah and and i know that it has changed lives of other people so if you know your strengths and you can design your life and your actions on a daily basis around your top five or ten strengths and you can use it more you are more efficient and more effective and then it suddenly becomes easier to realize your goals and it also goes the other way around because when you know what, your, what, what, what are your strengths, then sometimes, you know, your goals change because of that. Yeah, you, you suddenly realize that something that, that you thought you wanted, now you don't, don't need it, really. There is something else that is more important for you through the lens of your looking at your strengths. Yeah, so I think it, it's, it works the same as for the big international companies, global companies, local companies, and, you know, down to the individual level. It's interesting you said that what you thought you wanted, you don't need. And it's that difference. What is the difference between something I want and something I need? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a difference, but but it also is a, it, it change, the, the awareness and understanding of yourself changes your perceiving the world, your, your lens, how you look at, at the uh, a world around you, yeah? And it might, you know, influence you uh, in terms of, yeah, what are your goals, really? And what is important for you? That's why, you know, it, 
this understanding can change your wants and needs. Okay. So that's one of the reasons. So the first thing is people not really having that sort of level of insight about themselves, about what's important to me and what really drives and motivates me. And I, I like the fact you talked about the intrinsic motive, this stuff that's inside that keeps that fire burning rather than relying on external things to keep you to keep you going. So what is it? I can never remember the guy's name. Oh, I, I can, is the, the philosopher, uh, he's not a philosopher, sorry, he was a psychologist and he talks about flow. But I'm going to try and pronounce his surname. No, I, no, no. I think he was Hungarian. I may be wrong, but he talks about flow. So I think that could be a tip for people to say, what is it that really drives you? So imagine you were a time where you were fully immersed in something and time just seems to zip past. So what was going on there? What was it that was causing that level of immersion in you that it was, it was challenging, but didn't feel like work type thing. That's a one, apart from obviously the strengths that you, you and I are involved in is another way of people helping people to identify when is it when they are that productive and then start looking around that, that the context of that and say, what was going on for me at that time? So I can start identifying potentially some motivators and desires. Yeah. And it's also connected with, you know, achievement. When you achieve, you are more motivated, you are more happy, you've got more energy. And if you don't achieve, yeah, if you struggle all the time, it makes you unmotivated. And then if you think about work and people coming to work and, and they do things that are not were born to be doing, yeah, and, and they actually don't have any results, they don't achieve what they were supposed to achieve. So it's demotivating. And suddenly they just come to money for, you know, nine to five and take the take the money. And, you know, it's not good for anyone, for them or, and, and for, for the whole team as well. So this achievement is a very, very important also element of, of staying motivated. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got an idea of what we're doing. We understand why we're doing like and the combination of that what do you want and why do you want it two really important questions and then who else is trying to do the same sort of thing as me so we've got that understanding which is really then we start developing the strategies about how do you get what you want so what is it you think that stops that plan turning into reality or actually concrete action that's delivering the results that we are expecting all right. So there's one more thing we need to stop here before we go to, to what stops the execution, what stops the action. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've got the understanding, but now we need to think how to translate this understanding of the situation into our action plan. So we need to figure out what we're going to do and probably what we're going to do differently than those other companies, teams, people, so we can find the fastest and the most effective route to our goals yeah so this is this another element that you need to have completed really yeah to 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 put it on paper so this is if you only got it you know just in your head it probably won't going to work as good as it can when you put it on paper so this is another element and and there is tons of research that tells and and shows that once you put your plan on, on, on the paper, you've got a far more bigger chance of realizing it because it, until you put it on the paper, uh, it's just your dreams. Yeah. And then you, you need to 
when you're putting it on a paper, you, it means that you were you thought it through, and you've got like some ideas you wanna you wanna you wanna try. Yeah, really. So it's like okay, I know what's the situation now. What is the best thing I can do now? There are some some possibilities out there. Yeah. So you you you've got a list of things that you can do. Yeah, and that that might be a starting point for your strategy planning and a strategy plan. So this is the another one. And then, then we can try to think how to bridge the gap between this plan that you've, that you've just put on a paper and how to make it a reality. Okay. Because I do think, and that, I mean, I, I jumps there as well. So I think we quite often jump to action. There's a human nature, isn't it? We want to solve problems. So we just jump to action without having, and so you've, 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 you've talked about having a lot of thoughts before we even get to thinking about converting what we're doing into anything that's resembling action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, and it also <laughs> comes down again. I mean, it might come down to as well as for, for your strengths. So when you look at critical strengths, there's this one called activator. And this is the one that you ju just tells you, do, do it, don't wait, yeah? So sometimes your strength might be your a little bit of a like an enemy in this situation. Yeah. So it's good to think it through. And when you've got it uh, on the paper, you start, you think you've got a plan and now everything's gonna be fine. But then you know, I remember this 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 quote or when Mike Tyson was asked by the reporter whether he was worried about Evander Holyfield and his fight plan, he answered that you know. Everyone has a plan until they got punched in the mouth. So basically what Tyson said is similar to the old saying that no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Yeah, And this is something that people forget or are not aware of. That the, you need a plan, but then there, there's this thing called real, reality, <laughs> which is often, you know, doesn't want us to for our plan to be realized that easily and, and the way we thought it through. Yeah. So this is another thing we need to remember. And this is, this is the, this is, I think this is one of the biggest elements of why, why we don't realize our goals because of the, you know, plan and reality and there's this gap. Yeah. So how can we bridge the gap? This is a question. I think that comes down to, I mean, there's lots of research in it with people when they're planning is the biases in our thinking that influence our planning because they, it's done in a, although we've done all the research, it's still done, as you said, in a relatively sterile environment of our minds, our thoughts, our processes, and not in the real world as it is where things are usually slightly different. Cause I say, we look at it through the lens of our awareness, but the reality is, can be completely different. So I think the good thing is maybe at just thinking about what you've said is when you have your plan before you go to action is to sit about, and I would say this isn't about converting this to action. I, I would say, and I think you, you alluded to it earlier when you said try, this is a way of me testing my assumptions. What assumptions have I built into my plan? Because they, they may be right, they may be wrong. And if they're wrong, how can I then adapt that new knowledge back into the plan. Yeah, I think it's, it's you've nailed it. Yeah, because uh, then how can we bridge this gap? It's like, so we need 
tools, we need processes within mechanics, yeah, that will help us translate this strategy into action and really stay agile or be able to adapt quickly to the changes around us, yes? So this process of testing and the, the hypothesis we got and what works and what doesn't work and what are what, what, what tools out there that could help us. And here comes, you know, those things that, that software programmers use and, you know, like uh, using Scrum and being agile methods. And this is really something that comes also from scaling up where, where we have these tools designed for the organization to stay agile in the situation and how they can execute and, and you know, measure the progress and, and be constantly in the known how well we, and, and if we are on the right path to achieving our goals. Yes, yeah, so I will go through them in a second, but this is the, this is the one of the solutions to look at the, this problem the way you've just said, how can we test our, our hypothesis about how to get what we want, and then what tools can we use on a daily basis that will help us do it? Okay, and he's talked about agility and sort of that, and there's some techniques you talk to companies use like Scrum and stuff. So, do you think that's one of the key elements to helping you actually realize a plan? Is to say, yeah, your plan's an idea, and it parts of it will work, parts of it won't work. But it's how do you how do you test that, and how do you how do you measure it, and then how can you react quickly enough to adapt so that you can take that new learning? Because to me, that's what it all is. A plan isn't is an idea a concept and something happens which creates new learning which we need to feed back into our planning stage and adjustment so is that do you think that is one of the key elements that of where it falls down yeah i think it's one of the main elements how you can how you can nail it how you can be effective in execution and you know achieving your goals and also what is required from you to be able to do it and use those tools it's really also about being disciplined. Yeah. It's about the discipline. How because you need to be doing it on a daily basis. It, it, it needs you need to create habits around the way, around this agile way of doing stuff. Yeah. So this is about working on yourself. And the first starting point really is it's like you need to be aware where your time goes. Yeah. And and it goes for the individuals as well as for the teams, for the whole organization. So it's like, you've got a plan, you've got tools, and then you, you say, okay, let's do it. But then if you don't know at the beginning, at the start, where your time goes, so this thing called reality will crash you, really. I mean, the more, the more aware the, the, the person is about the time, where they spend their time, the, 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 the bigger chance they've got for success, yeah? So the first thing I would recommend is like, really use some tools and do the experiment like for, I don't know, two weeks or four weeks to, to really record your activities in the live environment. Like there's this, for example, toggle track application, which is a fr free desktop time tracker. And you, you can use it to, and it's also, a, got, they've got a mobile app and it's e very easy to use it. And then after two weeks or four weeks, you, you can analyze, yeah, where, where, what, what, what you did and where, where really your time had gone. So it's very important to do it like to record your time uh, live. It's not like, you know, you, 
it doesn't work if you sit at the end of the day or at the end of the week and try to remember what you were doing. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. So the only way is to do it live, do it at the moment of your action, which is really like starting to build, start, start, you, you really start building your habit. Yeah, this is the first one, the first habit to be aware where your time goes and the, the so you've got the application you've got a desktop tracker which seems very easy but the hardest way at least for me and from my experience is really like remembering that you need to put you know push this button right now and change the project you're working on and really be be focused on that because if you if you like do it like only in a 60 percent or 70 percent the 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 results of your analysis won't be correct. Yeah. So this is the first time. Ask yourself, where do my time go every day, every minute? Yeah. Okay. So the analyzing of that. So you're doing it live, and not, and that, again, that start building that discipline in that habit of having a. And I think what you're talking about is a much more evidence-based approach as well. It's, it's data-driven. So we've got this, we've got our metrics, we've got our testing, whatever you set up, it's data-driven to help you make those informed decisions. So we've done this, we're doing, so we've created our first habit. We've managed for four weeks to remember to click on the button to record our time. So what types of, what sort of analytics would you encourage people to be doing on that information? Yeah, and then, and then you can take a look at all your activities. You can group it into into you know you, you you can make groups out of them and think which things are really the most important ones like which are the priorities yeah so this is the first thing first things first then we go to to the next discipline which is working on priorities so the funny thing is uh not many people know that but the word priority came into the english language in the 1400s yeah and it was singular it meant the very first or prior thing and it stayed singular for the next like 500 years and only in the 1900s yeah 20th century did we pluralize the term and start talking about priorities so we uh, we, we try to which we, we try to how to say <laughs> mm, trick the reality yeah so it was to be a priority and now we've got priorities yeah and it means something yeah even even you know when you think about it so the first thing first so you've got your list of activities that you really were working on and it's it, it usually it's usually something different that you would think you would thought you were working on yeah so this is the first thing and then you try to think okay so i've got my plan i've got my goals so what is what are the, the activities that would give me the biggest results? Yeah. So there's this Pareto rule, if you remember. Yeah. So 20% of our actions provide 80% of results. So if you look at your list and you, and you just try to figure out, yeah, which activities provides the, the greatest results. And this is the one method for you to try to figure out what is the most important and what is the most important thing you, you should be working on. Yeah, so the idea of analyzing your time is really about what you should stop doing, what you should continue doing, and what you should start doing that you're not doing right now, yeah? And then you 
when you, when you when you figure it out, this is the next level of your effectiveness. Yeah, because you are now starting to work on the things that will give you the the biggest results, and that means that you are becoming a more effective person, the more effective executive, as you will. Yeah. Okay, so we're now here. We've got our plan. We know what we're trying to do. We've got some idea of the tasks. We've identified our time. We're now utilizing our time more effectively and identifying our top priority, singular. Okay. What next? And the next step is you need to design your data and analytics and measurements. So basically, how will you know if you're on the right path to achieving your goals? And here comes the help of tools like OKRs, KPIs, and you know those, those indicators that help you track your progress. Yeah. So I use those two methods, KPIs, which is key performance indicators, and OKRs, which stands for objective and key results. So KPIs is like for, if you look at your team or your organizations, like you can use them for business as usual. So what are what, what indicators show, shows you how well or how good your company performs? And what should you measure in terms of, you know, you're trying to realize your goals? Yeah, so thinking about it. So if, if I want to achieve something, how can I measure my progress toward achieving the goal? Uh, and, it, and, you know, thinking about it on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. Yeah, so when I... Uh, so, so just to give you an example, for let, let's say we are now looking at the marketing function in a company. So if we know what is the goal for the year and what is the goal for the quarter, we should be able to tell what the marketing function results should be. And let's say in our business, the, the, one of the most important indicators is leads. Yeah, let's say marketing qualified leads. MQLs or SQLs as sales qualified lead. So let's say the marketing function should provide like 30 leads, leads sales qualified leads in a quarter. Yeah. So you know that monthly it's 10 leads and it's around like two and three leads a week. So if you look at this key performance indicators week after week, you can tell if you are on the right path to achieving your goals. Yeah. So you've got every week. The marketing comes with four, five, six SQLs. It's great, yeah. But if they come what like like with one or you know zero, then you quickly and this is very important. Quickly can realize that something is not working. Maybe your assumption is not good, or maybe you're doing something wrong, and you need to change your behavior quickly. Yeah. So this is like KPIs for business as usual. And if it comes to OKRs, it's another framework or, or method for achieving your goals. Yeah. So I'd say that for me, the essence of the OKRs is like focusing and aligning your efforts or everyone's efforts in a team on achieving the most important goals and stretching for amazing, which is one, one essential part of OKRs is a stretch goals and also tracking the progress to stay on course. And, and I use OKRs for those, those projects or, or those initiatives. There are more like stretch. So if you spot, a, spot an, an opportunity and you want to you know, grab it fast, you can put an OKR on, on that 
initiatives or if you spot that something is not working properly or correctly in your business, like for example, this marketing function, you can put an OKR and try to fix it, fix it quick, as, as well as you can test your hypothesis with the OKRs. So you've got data metrics and an analytics, and which is the, the next habit you, you need to develop really. Yeah. So you, you think about how to measure the progress toward our goals and how to measure it on a daily or weekly basis to, to be informed if we are on the right track. I think it, just a bit I'd like to add that, just be careful of what you measure. So yeah. be very clear what you measure and does that align with what you're wanting in your organization to grow? Because one of the things I say, whatever you measure and if you build your reward structure around those measurements, it generates behavior. And really think if this is what we're going to reward people on based on these metrics to achieve these goals, how might they act? And is that something we would really want in our business moving forward? So yeah, and that's and this is a really great point, Scott. You you just mentioned about you know be careful what you measure because what you measure is get done. Yeah, <laughs> Peter Drucker, wasn't it? What gets measured gets managed. Yeah, and oh, I think it's Peter Drucker. Yeah, it's Peter Drucker, but it's what's get what's get measured get managed, but as well what you measure gets done, which is a little bit different. But you know, when you start measuring something, beware that you know it might happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, faster than if you wouldn't. So I've got this example of a fast food fast food restaurant, and it was like the management saw that this one one restaurant was like they they worked until the midnight and the Every day they had a lot of, you know, wasted food or, or, or like the food they, they would need to throw away because nobody bought it uh, in the restaurant in, in, in the late evening. So what they came up with was they put this indicator on this measurement that how much food we waste. Yeah. So, so the management for the, for, for the restaurant figure out that if they stop selling fast food <laughs> from 10 p.m. To, to 12 p.m., they wouldn't have this, you know, wasted food. So when when customers come to the shop, to the restaurant, they would they would need to wait long minutes until they got the the meal because, you know, the restaurant stopped serving fast food from eleven p, p from ten p.m. to twelve p.m. Yeah, and they realized this, you know, this goal. They after like few months, they didn't have wasted food, but the behavior that that this you know, indicator drove in customers was that they realized that there is no, it's not fast food anymore. So they stopped coming in. Yeah. And the result was that they lost customers because of this measurement. So it's really about the thing you said right now, be, be careful what you measure. Uh, something I did, because it is, it's not what you want people to do, but what people might do. And what we want people to do and what they should do or could do is sometimes very, very different again. So, and I think sometimes we just see something, so we've got bad measurements or we've got a, an indicator that's poor. So we're just going to put another metric in to stop that happening without really thinking it through. And that may be where your OKRs come in that can stretch a different type of performance to rectify that part of the business rather than saying, just stop having food wastage, which will exactly. drive improved performance and looking at really ways that we can behave better to achieve that, but not damage, as you say, damage the reputation we have with our customers and sort of the consequences 
the knock-on consequences. Okay, so we're measuring. We're really careful what we're measuring. We're thinking about the behaviours that that measurement was is likely to generate and what's the impact of that. And is that something we want? And then we reword one. I'll just go on to... Go on, can I just... Sorry. Yeah, yeah, one come on. thing is one of my favourite KPIs. I got introduced to this by a guy called Elvin Turner on a previous podcast. And it's, I think it was from 3M. So this is off the top of my head, so it might not be 100% right. So they've got a KPI that 30% of their profit have to come from product, from every division have to come from products that are less than four years old. Now, if you just think that as a measurement and think what behavior might that start generating in an organization, I think that's an extraordinarily clever KPI. Yes, and it's all about innovation, yeah? And it's also because it's every division, it helps collaboration. Because every division has got to be successful. So let's share what we know so we can help each other. But also, it stops holding on to products that start falling off. So some of this behavior that we've had in organizations about holding on to things that aren't driving sales and always we need to innovate today for tomorrow's targets. I think it's a very, very clever target. Yeah. And if you think about the 3M purpose, which is solving problems in the innovative ways, it's all connected and it's all aligned. Yeah. So it's great. And who would have thought that stationary company could be so I'd say it's how you design your, your, your communication. and having ability to work on problems in a collective way to use your brain like you know collective brain power so this would be the third element for you know just bridging the gap between strategy and execution how you design your meetings within the company Mm -hmm. so what do you do on a daily weekly monthly and quarterly basis yeah and how you design those meetings who is in in each of this kind of a, of a meeting, who is on dailies, who's on weeklies, monthlies, quarterlies, and what's the agenda, what, what the results should be after each of the meetings. So starting with the dailies, it's just like 10 to 15 meeting, minute, minutes meeting for your team. And it's basically about what is the most important thing for the day? Yeah, what's the, the daily priority? And it's, it's about that and the communication. So everyone in the team knows what other people are doing. Yeah, and then you've got weeklies, uh, and this is about measuring and communicating the progress on quarterly priorities. Yeah, so that everyone in the team knows if we are on the right track, we check our KPIs, and if we are stuck somewhere, we've got we've got time because this is like sixty or ninety minutes meeting. We've got time to solve one or two problems that that made us stuck somewhere, and you should think about it in terms of the year. So you've got a chance to solve like 50 or 100 problems in a year that helps you move forward, which is something great, yeah? Mm -hmm. And then you've got monthlies and quarterlies, which are more like more strategic, really, meetings with more people. And you can think in a quarterly, actually, you you can learn and you can think what went good, what didn't work, in this period, in these 90 days, what you can change to be more efficient and more effective in the next 90 days, and you can plan your next moves, yeah? So, so this is this meeting rhythm is this really like the heart rhythm or, 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 or the beat for your company. This is the place where you test your hypothesis, yeah? Mm-hmm. Does it work? 
uh, does it not work? Is it still worth pursuing what we are doing? Or maybe we should stop doing it because it doesn't make sense anymore. And you don't need to wait till the end of the year to make this decision. Because of those tools and those processes, you can make it quick and you know you can stop doing stuff that, that are not necessary. And if something has changed, you can adapt quickly. So we all been through the, the, the start of the pandemic yeah? and in business, you know, it was like, like earthquake and companies that had those kind of processes and tools were more able to adapt quickly to the new situation. And the companies that work in the old ways stuck there and, and had bigger problems. Yeah, so this is all about the communication, about solving problems and about doing it in a daily, weekly, monthly, and quarterly basis. And, like, and yeah. I like the fact is that you've given a very clear, definite thing of what a daily, a weekly, and a monthly, and a quarterly meetings are designed to do. I think most people just have these meetings about that sort of clear agenda and clear understanding of what and why they're having these meetings. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really important. And, you know, the greatest... I mean, maybe not the greatest, but the great thing about this design is also that when you introduce or when you implement such a design into your company, suddenly uh, it makes other meetings irrelevant. And, and then that you, you suddenly gain lots of time for real work and working on problems and solving stuff than just going to the meetings that are unproductive. And this meeting rhythm, one of the results of, of using it is, is this, you suddenly get, get more time. So the, the rule of the thumb is that if you are not a person that your work is about meetings, like if you are not a salesperson, yeah, but you, are, you, you work on different things and you look at your calendar and there is like more than 25% of your time is in the meetings. So something is wrong. I think if, or if in some big companies, you gave them that, they think 25% of my time is outside of meetings and 75% is in meetings. And you think, well, what are you doing about from meeting? Unless the, and I mean, I remember you was talking to somebody, was a, there was, it was a relatively small company. I think there was about 15 people working in it. And they had a weekly meeting. It went on for two and a half to three hours. And I said, what are you doing? Is it about this meeting? Is it? But you talk to people why they get to know, just have this weekly meeting. It's boring. It takes a bit. And everyone realized it was ad just added no value. So they just swapped it and they just said, I don't want to know what's not what at the update. Just tell me, does anyone need any help? And that's when they changed the whole meeting. So go around is, I don't want to know where you are on all your projects you're working on because it's quite a project based thing. I said, but if there's anything you're not quite where you are, what type of help do you want? And then anyone in the other the else in the room, can offer assistance based on that stuff that you're telling them. So it became much, much, much quicker, much more informed. And actually, as you say, started solving some of these issues and collaborating because every, every department was in that meeting. Yeah. And here we are, I suppose. That's the, the, that's the idea how to, how to do it. So, mm -hmm. you know, the strategy is how you get what you want. So what do you want? Why do you want it? And what will you do to get it? And then you come down to, you know, being aware of my strengths, my weaknesses about the landscape and the other competitors, and then putting my hypothesis into those habits of daily, weekly, monthly, and quarterly meetings, measuring our progress to our goals and working on the most important things or the prior thing 
which gives the biggest results at the end of the day. And here's the recipe how you can be more effective in reaching your goals. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? Yes, it is. So when you actually put it in there, it says, and it just seems to make logical sense when you actually do it. So that's bloody obvious, isn't it? It seems quite obvious. And then you look at companies, how do you run your companies? It's not like that. But what I was like, I was thinking also about the meetings. Obviously, I work on my own and I work in partnership with lots of other people as well. Is even those things you said about the meet, you could do that for yourself. So at the start of every morning, okay, what's my priority for today? At the end of the week, how am I getting on against my key targets? I've got them. And I know, as you say, you've worked out your KPIs and your OKRs. You know where you should be. So you can actually say, right, what's on target, what's not on target? And then you can look at what's working, what's not working. And then, okay, 90 months, let's have a more in-depth review of what's happened over the last quarter and then plan into Q2 or the next quarter. So it's even though you say the meetings, I still think it's a it, you can easily in, integrate these into very, very small teams or even individuals. I think the whole process is it, it's quite interesting because you say you're a scale-up coach. The whole process is can work from one person to a huge organization. The recipe doesn't change, does it? No. You can use it for yourself. You can use it for a small team. You can use it for a big company. You just have to design it differently depending on the size of your organization and what's important. How do we measure who needs to be on these teams? How Who needs to be involved in these decisions? Yes. That's it. That's amazing. I said, I've never done this. It just seems so simple to me. And I, I love it when people explain stuff and I go, oh, yeah, so simple. So simple. So simple. So, so simple. But there you go. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Carol. It's been an absolute pleasure. So as, as always, we always have a good chin wag when we get together. <clears throat> talking about holidays in different parts of the country. And when you travel, you try to make me feel jealous because you're in somewhere it's hot and it's not for me. But I think the, the tables might be turned over the winter because you were still in Poland. Yes, we thank weren't. you. <laughs> thank you for having me. And I, you know, I keep your word for coming to the island, you know. I will, I will come <laughs> and say hello. No worries. It's, it's a holiday. <laughs> and we're warm. I'll come and say hello. Yeah. I'll pop yeah. over. No problems. That would be, be my pleasure. And thank you very much for the invitation. So obviously, if you want to get hold of Carol or speak to him about anything he's discussed, his details will be in the transcripts on here. So please just get the details off him. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, young man. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you.